I invite you now to take a Bible and to open it to the book of Ephesians. We'll be in chapter 5. We're going through a series entitled The New Life, and it is focusing on a part of this letter that Paul has written just to the second half of chapter 4 and the first half of chapter 5. And we do this at the same time when as a church family we sort of direct our attention towards the world and uh, the missionaries that we support who serve across the world. And so one of the points of last week was to say that the new life that is described is not simply something that we would individually experience, <clears throat> but that it would change the relationships that we have with other people. So Cindy already mentioned a little bit about it, but just to remind you uh, that next week will be our annual barbecue for global missions immediately following service. And so normal service time starting at 10 o'clock uh, will be here uh, with a fairly similar flow except for the three uh, missionaries that uh, the proceeds will go towards. We'll have an update from each of them. And we're blessed that actually next week we'll have two of the people present with us in person. Uh, so Scott Sobey was here over the summer, but when he returned to Ukraine, he took his dad with him. And his dad has spent a couple of months with them in Ukraine, and so he's bringing his father back home. And so Scott will be able to be with us, with his two older daughters who are in school in Cincinnati uh, next week. So we'll have them in person as part of the barbecue. And then Dwayne and Kimberly Baldwin. Uh, Dwayne uh, runs the school in Serbia uh, that we support, and he is stateside for a period of time now. And so they'll come up from Kentucky, and Dwayne will have the morning message next week. And then the barbecue, weather permitting, will be out in the pavilion afterwards uh, with a variety of games uh, for little kids. You can bring bikes and scooters and stuff. We'll sort of have a course set up for them. There'll be volleyball and cornhole and a lot of really good food. So we've been having monthly lunches. Uh, and just to calibrate your expectations, we have tried to keep those simple and just get Subway or Domino's or something. Like the barbecue is everything's made and prepared and cooked and not just bought at Domino's or something. I mean, if we run out, we'll, we'll get Domino's to make sure everybody can eat or something. It's not a bad option, but it's, it's a much uh, more substantive meal. There's so much work that goes into putting it together, and we're thankful for our missions committee and all the volunteers that help put that on. If it is a torrential downpour next week, we will have boxes to pack it up for you to go uh, if we're not able to enjoy uh, the outside, because the food's going to be made, and we need your help to eat it. Uh, but it'll be a barbecue afterwards. Uh, so we'll get to hear those different presentations as part of the morning service next week. And then for all who can stay, immediately afterwards will be a lunch. And then as long as the weather and the temperature allows, you're free to stay and play uh, and enjoy the day and the company of other people. And then that also provides an extended opportunity to interact with the missionaries who will be with us, uh, especially when they can be present with us. So we hope that you can be with us next Sunday. If uh, the Labor Day holiday weekend is for your family, your last time to travel before you get really locked into the school schedule or something and you can't be with us, you can still give towards uh, any of those missionaries, either by mailing a contribution uh, to the church or a following Sunday uh, to make a contribution, simply earmark it for REACH 2021, and we'll make sure that it gets added to the proceeds that are raised next week for that. So now we're in Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to read the first 14 verses. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, <clears throat> and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let therefore no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This will conclude our reading for today. <clears throat> that first exhortation was, therefore, be imitators of God. And so if you weren't with us last week, the therefore, uh, if your Bible is still open, you can simply look at the verse that precedes it at the end of chapter 4, verse 32. It says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I wonder if you were asked to sort of describe what God was like, how quickly the, those words would come as part of your description. Uh, tender-hearted, kind, and forgiving. But that is the most immediate description that the Apostle Paul has given and then says to us, therefore, be imitators of God. If God, the maker of everything, uh, the one who does have the power over us, is kind toward us, then who are we to be unkind towards one another? If he could just make us do whatever he wanted to do, but is often willing to not impose himself, but rather to make himself available and desire that we follow him from the inside out in that posture of kindness toward us, shouldn't we be willing to treat other people that way? I mean, uh, for all of you who've experienced parenting or just loving a nephew or niece who are younger, you know that there's just that limited window where you can make them do things. But that only lasts so long. And if you don't focus on switching from how do I make you do this to how do I help you want to do this, uh, then you'll only act a certain way for a certain period of time. If you can transition to the, well, how do I try to help you want to do what is right for you, now you realize you have many more options and many more questions that you ask of yourself as you're interacting with those who are younger than you. And the goal being, ultimately, that the people who you love, love to do what is right. And that's hard. We can't give that to other people. We can't uh, pass on our desires or pass on our faith in that sense. People have to want certain things. They have to believe certain things. But there are all kinds of things we can do to encourage that. And the more we actually try to force it, uh, oftentimes it has the inverse reaction. 
right? That's sort of uh, parenting 101. The more you insist, like that this is the only way to do it, uh, eventually your kids are going to be like, why do they really not want me to do this? I want to see what they really don't want me to do. Um, in that sort of reverse psychology, uh, sometimes you have to play tricks on them by telling them that you don't want them to do what they actually should do because then they might be willing to consider it. And In my growing up, there were certain uh, books that were, uh, from a theological perspective, uh, discouraged in reading or studying. And so I heard one particular 16th century uh, author, um, not usually described in a very positive light and he wrote a book called The Institutes of the Christian Religion and I was like everybody keeps saying I should stay away from John Calvin so what did he write that everybody wants me to stay away from him so I got a job at Barnes and Noble I got a gift card and I bought The Institutes of the Christian Religion and I started reading it and it was like oh and I appreciated a lot of it I don't agree with all of it but that basic sort of the more you tell me not to do something uh, you might actually get me to try and do it uh, sort of a dynamic and we learn that about ourselves and our own struggles, that the more we try to force certain things, it can actually create the opposite reaction, where people repel from it. They want nothing to do with it because we've so emphasized only one way of doing things. And when we believe that God himself has this posture of kindness and tenderheartedness toward us, that he is not simply beating us over the head with only uh, one thing, but is working to change our minds, working to grow our imagination so that we want to follow him, so that we want to serve other people. That sets a standard for us to say, well, who are we to try to force things on other people? When more often than not, God does not force it upon us. And so be uh, imitators of God. And then truly, uh, the, the last aspect highlighted there is the willingness to forgive other people. We all have things that have been done to us that hurt, that are wrong. And the call to forgiveness is not the call to pretend like it never happened or to pretend like it really wasn't bad. Uh, that can often be our reactions when we sense that we're guilty of something is to just really try to figure out how to rationalize it or minimize it. The call to forgiveness does not ask us to do either of those things because God did not in any way rationalize or minimize sin. What we celebrated together in communion is the recognition that as a holy God, the price of forgiveness was a sacrifice that needed to be offered. That wasn't minimizing sin, and that wasn't rationalizing sin. Rationalizing sin would have just said, oh, but I know that you had to do that, and so I'm just going to say it's okay, and I'm, you know, we're just going to wipe the, the slate clean, and nobody has to suffer. But a holy God could not do that. Couldn't rationalize it or minimalize it, but in sending his son to say he's going to offer forgiveness for us, well, who's going to pay the price that sin brought about? How is the wrong going to be made right? And it was his willingness in acknowledging the pain that exists in the world because of sin to also pay the appropriate price that sin requires. And so when we're invited and asked to be imitators of God in being willing to forgive, <clears throat> it is not to ignore what's happened. It's not to pretend like it really didn't hurt. But it is to consider whether or not we're willing to forgive 
in spite of the wrong that's been done. That becomes, for many of us, this way of actually experiencing a new relationship, new life. Will we allow the hurts that have been done to us to so affect now our ability to be open to other people and experience new relationships that it will continue to have that effect of harming us? Or can we, with God's help, come to a place where we say, God, I don't want to minimize or rationalize any of the wrong that's been done, but I also don't want it to so weigh me down and affect me that I'm now not available for the new and healthy relationships that you do want me to have and the love that you do want me to experience. And so I need to find a way to not allow that to define me and continue to mistrust everybody else around me. And so God, would you help me do that? to acknowledge what was wrong, to find a way to forgive it, and to experience the freedom to love other people again. That's uh, the, the scriptural teaching around forgiveness is some of the hardest uh, teaching that there is to apply. But it's given to us because scripture tells us that it was God who first, in Christ, was willing to forgive us and so we're invited to be imitators of him and then this helpful phrase which is how brad started us off in this series as beloved children now if if we only heard the the charge to be imitators of god uh, that would be fairly depressing and discouraging to say i just have hard enough time being uh reasonably good by comparison to other people on an ordinary week but if you're saying i'm supposed to be an imitator of god and i'm supposed to be like god that sounds impossible, except that he adds this phrase, to do that as beloved children. In other words, don't try to be an imitator of God in some way of trying to prove yourself like you're in this perpetual job interview. And so you're just trying to look the best and you're trying to be the strongest and maybe if you do it well enough, you'll make the team. And instead, the Apostle Paul is saying, because God is in Christ already forgiven you and he's already made you a child of his, you have that relationship with him that therefore you can observe what he's like and you can ask him for his strength to help you do the things you need to do. And you have that access as a child of his. So it doesn't mean you have no struggles and you have no issues. It means you now have the ability to bring all of your struggles and all of your issues to him. Instead of wondering, like, is he really going to listen to me? Would he care about what I'm going through? If you believe that you're one of his children, then you know that you have access to him to help you, to get you over the things that you need to get over, to make you strong in the ways that you need to be strong, and to make up for the things where you need him to make up for it. And so many times, rightly, when we think about God, we can think about someone who's so powerful, the creator of all things, and in our human minds, we can think of people who have a lot of power, whether they're the heads of countries or the heads of big companies, and just wonder, like, how, do you, how would you ever have a conversation with the CEO of this company or the president of this? How would you ever do that? And it's hard for most of us, but it's not hard for their family that if you are a son or daughter of the person who's the head of that company, you probably have their cell phone. You probably can interrupt them when nobody else can, when everybody else has to book a special appointment. Through a relationship, 
usually you have a faster way of getting hold of them. And so Paul is telling us we are his beloved children, and so we have access to him. So we're not trying to be like God in our own strength, but as already his children, we can rely upon him. We can ask him for help. Yesterday as a family, we went, uh, we told the kids we were going to go for a hike, which did not evoke a very positive uh, reaction on their part. They're like, you want to go for a hike? It's so hot outside and what? And so we went up to uh, Brecksville and went down to a part where there's a creek and you can climb on rocks down by the water. And uh, it was uh, fairly dangerous, which then made them really, really enjoy it. But truly, every step you take as you got closer to the water and then as we were on the water walking through was this reality of for us to get from this place to this place. Okay, like I think our oldest can make it. Bless you. I think our middle one uh, can probably make it. But for the youngest to make it, like either Amy, you got to get ahead and swing them over. I got to get ahead and swing them from one place to another. But we're not just sending them down here on their own and saying, you know, go figure out how to do this. Like, we're right there with them. And so if this rock is covered in mud and this one's covered in moss, we're right there to try to help. And everyone fell at different points in time and slipped. Uh, and that was part of the fun. And it was uh, later on that uh, our middle son, Joshua, was like, you said we were going hiking. You didn't say we were going adventuring. This is way more fun. And it was, oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, we do need to come up with another word because we do make them hike sometimes. Uh, and it is just walking, but this was a totally different setup. But there again, if they just would have gotten there on their own, they would have seen, like, these are some pretty fall drop, pretty big drop-offs. This isn't okay for us to just try on our own. But with people they love in relationship to say, we're going to do this together. And if it ever is too much for you, we're going to help you. And when it's not just too much for you, but it's too much for me, we're just not going to do it. <laughs> Uh, we'll find another way to get down or another way to get up. And uh, as recipients of God's grace, we're supposed to go about each day with that sense that we're in a relationship with him. And so whatever he asks us to do, he's asking us to do with the strength that he's going to give us as his children. And we just have to claim that. We have to acknowledge that. And then he says with all of that then to walk in love. So therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. It's, it's an amazing picture where uh, the image there is not to just do loving things every now and again, but to make this part of your every day and your all day, like to walk around in it, like get comfortable in this, that it's God's desire for us, not just to occasionally do these things, but to make it a pattern, a rhythm, a way of life that we experience with him, that we walk around in love. Now, many times in our minds when we think of love and we ask what's sort of the opposite of love, we can think of hate. Uh, and there's times when that's appropriate, when we talk about love in a sense of, of a longing for something uh, and being passionate to have something. Hatred is this disregard of something and this desire to get rid of something. But as our chapter unfolds, Paul gives us a different definition that when he's talking here about walking around in love, he's not talking about walking around in strong feelings. He's talking about walking around in committed service to others, willing to do what is good and right for other people. That's what love is. Love is to desire the good of other people and to do what is, he says later, all that is good and right and true. 
That's what it means to love somebody, to desire for them everything that would be good and right and true. So when he goes on to say, if you're going to walk in this love, here's what you're not going to do. This is what he describes. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. And then he repeats that threefold uh, description. Everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or or covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. And so when you hear all of those things as sort of the opposite of what he's telling us to do by walking in love, here then is a description of somebody that's uh, either just focused on indulgence in their passions and in their sexual desires, but then he adds to that covetousness, which is to desire anything that sort of doesn't belong to you and would give us more the picture of what we would think of as materialism. And so he's saying, whether you're someone who's so consumed in your passions and your physical desires for other people, or you're someone who's so consumed that your whole life is oriented to just material things, and you just want what you don't have, in all of that, it is the opposite of walking in love. And so the opposite of walking in love in this description is not hatred, but selfishness. The opposite of walking in love is not hatred here, but it's selfishness. Living for ourselves, whether that's to satisfy our physical desires or in seeing what other people have and longing to have what they have and so living our lives to just accumulate things, Paul is saying, that is not what you've been saved from. That is what initially promises you hope and happiness but leads to a dead end and so if that's the way you pursue life, you'll actually be miserable indulging in those things will take you further into darkness and you've been rescued from that darkness you've been you've come out into the light and so live in the light and what is the light well part of the light is coming to that realization that living for yourself does not ultimately bring you lasting happiness or fulfillment living to simply meet all of your needs and desires does not make anybody on this planet happier or healthier in their relationships with other people The happiest and healthiest people you meet are the people who care about others, who want to serve them, and who believe that the good that they're doing in this world actually impacts other people. And so we're encouraged to walk in love as Christ loved us. And I found this a helpful clarification from C.S. Lewis. He, He talked about in describing humility that humility is not thinking of ourselves less. And so that humility is having all these negative thoughts about ourselves, that I'm a horrible person and nobody would ever love me and nobody cares about me. That's not the humility that the Bible encourages. But he says humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. A humble person is somebody who just thinks of themselves less because they're thinking of other people. They're thinking of other needs and other things that are out there. I don't know if you followed uh, after the tragic uh, bombing that happened in Kabul that took 13 service members uh, and many, many others. There were a few stories that then just did a brief profile on the 13 individuals of our armed services whose lives were taken that day. And one of them was a young female Marine named Nicole uh, G. And the last picture she had sent home to all of her family. Uh, if you haven't seen it, just look it up. Marine Sergeant Nicole G. 
she had texted her family a photo and said, I love my job. And the photo was of her rescuing a little baby. And so she was in full uniform and had this vulnerable child in her hands and said back home and said, I love my job. Why would she say that? Because she loved helping somebody else. She loved serving somebody else who was vulnerable in need. And that's what scripture says of all of us. Whether we do that abroad or whether we do that here, however it is, we will find increasingly that we're walking in love when our greatest joy is the joy of other people. When our passion is to see other people become healthier and whole. And to not think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less. And there's more room to walk around in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and its continual challenge to us that you desire for us all that is good and that is right and that is true, but that many times we don't desire that for ourselves. <laughs> so we pray that you would convict us, help us to long for what is good and right and true. Help us to desire as your children with your strength and enabling to walk around in love toward others, to give us a, a bigger sense of purpose of why we're here, of why tomorrow morning we'll be in the various jobs and neighborhoods that we'll be in, of why uh, in the evening we'll be uh, recreating in different places, but where so much of our time and attention can come to our own desires. Father, would you show us the ways in which we can experience a new life in you that is focused on serving others. Would you make us tender-hearted and kind toward others and willing to forgive as you convict us so that there would be no barriers to our ability to love you? And would you help us to resist the temptations that are around us to self-indulgence and to selfishness? Father, we, we know that that has been a constant temptation, that as Paul wrote it to the church in Ephesus, because it was their challenge and it's our challenge today, there are so many things out there that are trying to get us off of what your wisdom is for our lives. Father, would you help us to resist that temptation, to continue to live in the light of the goodness of what you desire for us as your children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.